I think I've been to church. You guys are amazing. I love the songs you're singing. Kind of gives you away. <laughs> Your songs give you away and show, shows what you believe. When you sing a song, it just fascinates me how we struggle and fight amongst ourselves in the body of Christ at times. When we sing songs like, what can wash away my sin? What can wash Wash. John the Baptist said, the Lamb of God who taketh. We should just be good with that. Like we should be like, yay. Yeah? We sang this morning, and I love the song. The song gets me every time because it's so powerful, and I absolutely have believed the lyrics to that song for the 25 years I've been saved, that I've been washed in the blood, I've been washed in the blood. His scars have erased my sin, and I am innocent. I'm grieved over how many people don't step in that, believe that, actually fight that. That you're made innocent. Righteous. Righteous means no sense of guilt, condemnation, or shame. Justified means just as if you never sinned. These words are so phenomenal and they're all through Scripture. And somehow we haven't accepted them and received them and believed them so that the power and effect of His finished work could fall on our hearts where true joy, that joy that somebody yelled out when they said joy, he said unspeakable back here. It's unspeakable. It's so overwhelming and it's designed to be that way. So that the gospel is such good news that it's so overwhelming, it humbles your heart. It actually puts want to in you and diligence and discipline and the things that were lost through sin. It, it actually is a restoration. There's a total work of redemption through the truth of the gospel. That when you see the goodness of God, you are so overwhelmed by Him and you so see His love that He overwhelms you and you love Him. Not need Him. Love Him. Oh, there's a huge difference between needing Him and loving Him. The devil doesn't even believe we love Him. He believes we all just need Him. He actually doesn't believe any of us love Him. We, he believes we love ourselves and we go to Him for our sake. And unfortunately, a lot of times He's right. You look at the book of Job, He said, come on, man will do anything to save his own life. And he said the second time around, man will do anything to save his own skin, to save his own self. He said, how about skin for skin? Man will do anything. Come on, you know everybody's for themselves, Lord. Job, different than everybody else. Come on, every man's all about himself. You take away the blessing you gave him, he'll curse you to your face just like every other man. That's what he said to the Lord. He's talking about you and me. He said, I got them all figured out. I've been messing them up from the beginning. And I've been tempting them and teasing them in. And they can wave all the flags and sing as loud as they want. They can attend every service and conference they ever want. But when it all boils down to it, they're all about themselves. That's what the devil said to God. You better make sure he ain't right where your life's concerned. Come on, I know this thing shifted quick. I can feel it. I'm sorry. I know it was all. 
And all of a sudden, bam, I don't know what's happening. Come on, you better make sure he's not right where you're concerned. It's so powerful and important, and it doesn't, it, it doesn't amaze me that, I mean, I understand why these fights go on among us, because it's the key, most powerful concepts of the gospel, and if we don't get them, we don't get it. Like, if you don't have the understanding and the faith in your heart to wake up in the morning and receive the washing of the blood of Jesus and start your day innocent, then you haven't even started your day. You're going to live in the flesh. You're going to be self-conscious. The pastor's going to eat your lunch and how things are going is how you're doing. And he really becomes irrelevant in your life even though he's your confession. Ain't that something? I'm preaching good right now. I can feel it. It's his fault. He spoke that over me. So, so you blame everything on your pastor. Everything. He can take it. Because <laughs> I'm leaving town. Just leave me alone. <laughs> it was so powerful. Who, who, when we were singing that, could just, just, you could just experience what's going on in the room. Like, it's like swelling. It's like, it is, I'm not just speaking, you know, emotionalism. There's a perception. There's a knowing in your heart. When you're singing, I've been washed. And his scars erased my sin and I'm innocent. Man, we, we just chatted, Pastor and I and a couple of us at the table the other morning. We were doing a little brunch and a little leadership thing. And, and we were talking about innocence just for a moment. And I mean, Daniel in the lion's den, he's in the lion's den. The king comes running. He's sorry about what happened. He got fooled and he, his pride got in the way. And his buddy Daniel's in trouble. He's in the lion's den. And the king stayed all, up, all night praying. And, 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 and Daniel's in the lion's den. And he comes running to the mouth of the den. And he yells in the den, Daniel, he's hoping he ain't like munched up. He says, Daniel, was your God able to shut the mouths of the lions? Did he? he said, oh, yes, oh, God. Or, or yes, go king. God has shut the mouth of every lion. He said, for as much as he found me innocent in his sight. What are you through the blood of Jesus Christ? Oh, my goodness. No wonder mercy triumphs over judgment. There's not one of us getting what we deserve when our hearts get sincere and we repent and come to God and say, man, if I saw what I see now, I wouldn't have done what I did then. Come on, that's repentance. It's not boo-hoo, boo-hoo, I'm sorry. It's seeing different. Man, and if I saw then what I see now, I wouldn't have did what I did then. Man, thanks for turning things around. Thanks for opening my understanding. Thanks for changing my eyes and my, my heart. God, I worship you. That's repentance. Repentance could be as simple as, duh, what? Whoa. Yeah. We always think repentance is the piano, the minister, my heart. And you're up here, woo. With no sense of change, no new direction, just the fear of repeating. And then you head back to your chair and you're still crying the same tears that you cried when you came up, but it was an order call. 
Ain't that something? I didn't come to mess you up this morning. I feel like we come to align some things. But there was so much joy in this room. And it came from the truth we were singing. And there was a corporate sense of believing what we were singing. That's what happened this morning. And the room went. And people that don't believe they're innocent don't have the heart of thanksgiving. They don't, they don't see what the big deal is, so they don't have the, God! People that don't understand they're forgiven. People that are still stuck in a sin memory, a sin consciousness, letting life decide who they are and how they are. They don't have this expression of worship, so they can sit back and judge worship. They think, boy, you bunch of emotionalists. Boy, you don't even know. Boy, why are you guys got to act so crazy in church? It ain't like that. Oh, it's more than like that. Like, we're probably too calm. Honestly, like if we really understood and saw how, how washed we were, how, how mercy has come, if we, if we really saw the power of the finished work of the blood of Jesus and allowed it to rest on our life and woke up in fellowship and co-union with the living God, that sounds exciting to me. Rather than wake up a little burp, pass some gas, brush your teeth or whatever, and you just flash. And just thank you, Lord, for the day. I hope you protect me. Please don't let traffic be too much. I know there's only one red light in town. Don't let me hit it, God. And we call that prayer. Please let my boss be straightened out today. And I hope he ain't moody like he usually is, God. I wish you'd knock him off his high horse or get me a new job. That's not prayer. That's self-centered deception and belly aching. That's not prayer. Oh, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just being real. And all of a sudden, he's just the one here to bless me instead of transform me. There's a lot of people that don't understand worship. Worship gets criticized so much. And, and, it, and it's because we haven't seen. My goodness, if, if you really see, you would probably go ballistic. I contain my celebration a little bit just because there's so many people that don't understand. When I'm alone, I'm not contained. I don't know how my steering wheel's not broken my truck. I, no, I'm not kidding. I beat the thing. I pound my dashboard sometimes and scream at the top of my lungs because you're not there to get offended. And God has never gotten moody when I did that. He's never said, why do you have to freak out? I get overwhelmed. I'm so aware of his love sometimes. I, I can look in the rearview mirror and catch my own eyes looking for traffic. I'll catch, and I go, oh, oh, oh I, I see you. And he's just poof in my little Toyota truck. He's the king of the universe. The manifestation of God is in my truck and you're telling me to calm down. But I believe he wants to be there. I actually believe he loves me and desires me. That he wooed me and drew me and called me. <laughs> That's not arrogance. The blood of Jesus says that to me. He's saying through the blood of Jesus, 
Hey, Dan, you're more than what you understand. I know you from the beginning. Love you. Come to me. Paid the price. Be clean. Let me forgive you. That's what the cross says. What else can it say? It's God becoming a man crucified. He's stripped naked. Don't think he's got little panties on. He's stripped naked and he's beat beyond description. And he's supposed to be humiliated and appeared to be cursed by God. Well, guess what God cursed on the cross? Not his son. He cursed sin on the cross. And sin shall have no dominion over you. Yeah? Man, we ought to get that. And preach it with passion. Whoa. Passion. Listen, it's very important that you understand a couple things this morning. It'd be great, you guys, these guys, I love these guys. They got that, they got that country sound in their voice. And they got, it's so cool. But they, and they got the jam, right? And then they got the beards, man. <laughs> like, this place is awesome. Like, you just want to call it home. Like, you want to click your heels. There's no place like home. Like, I'm going to start picturing them a couple weeks from now. They'll be up there. And they got that country sound and a like, deep one. And I'm like, I'll be clicking my heels. <laughs> Isn't it awesome, though? And they flip back and forth, and you have to open your eyes to see which one it is because it's so good. And you're like, oh, it's really, really good. You ought to record that little paragraph about washed in the blood. His scars has erased my sin. I'm innocent. Just record that little paragraph and sing it through and just give it to everybody. And you ought to just play that. Set it on your phone, your alarm every morning. Till you actually believe it. And like nobody looking. It's just you. Nobody's looking. Oh, and you feel like you could sleep another hour. And you slept a little funny and your neck's a little whatever. And, and all that's there. But in the midst of all that and nobody looking, you raise your hands. Nobody looking. You're not in a corporate service. The country boys ain't even there. <laughs> but they do inspire me. <laughs> and with nobody looking, alone in a room, you raise your hands high. You say, thank you, I'm innocent. Because you love me. It transformed your life, people. Look, I'm a pastor. I, I've pastored for a long time. I don't pastor a church anymore. I travel, but I feel like I still have a pastor heart and a calling and gifting, and I pastor more than you probably realize. You don't have to function totally in a church to flow in a pastoral grace. I talk to people. I ask questions. When I do personal stuff, I find out what they understand and where they're living from because I want them to be healthy. And when we walk away, I want to believe I imparted something or helped them. And I found in my Christian life that a super large, almost frightening majority of people in the church that are sincere Christians have never, when they're alone, initiated the thought of God loving them and communed that back to Him. Have never just said, God, I thank You so much that You love me. 
I thank you that you value me, that you would forgive me and put your spirit in me and make me righteous in your sight. Thank you for fathering me. Countless Christians, you'd be amazed if we were honest in this room, how many people have never did that in your life to him initiated by your own faith in your own heart when nobody was looking. You'd be amazed how many people are in this room that don't talk that way to Jesus. They talk about their trouble, they pray about the people that they're concerned for, and they pray about things. But I'm just talking about, thank you that you washed me. Thank you that you made me clean. Thank you that you set me free from every illicit desire and everything of the flesh, God, and empowered me to live in the Spirit. See, until you start believing that, you won't walk in the grace for that to be your reality. And if you're just trying to get free, you'll never be free. But if you believe that you're clean, guess what you'll start living? If you believe you're a son, guess what your life starts looking like? Sonship. If you believe you belong, you won't be insecure. You won't be looking for surface fluff and encouragement. And Hey man, you're awesome. What? You're awesome. Oh. Hmm. And you heard him the first time, you just wanted to hear it again. Oh. Countless people I've met that are sincere, that are in services like this, that believe Jesus died on the cross to forgive them of their sins, haven't just received His love. And it's imperative because faith works through love. And when you see His first love, you love Him. If you don't see His first love, you feel indebted because you believe the story. You feel indebted to God because you believe the cross. So you feel like you owe Him something. So you're trying to give your best, but you'll grow weary and well-doing and you won't believe your best is good enough and you won't run well and you won't run long or you'll go up and you'll go down and that's a lot of Christians' lives. And it's not because they're hypocrites or insincere. It's because of what we fail to see. I'm not talking to a room of hypocrites. Are you kidding me? There wasn't hypocrisy floating around the room a half hour ago. There was people actually inching in and stepping in and even people that were on the fringe were like, you, it was a very happy, positive thing going on in the room. You don't have to agree with everything, but you can't deny that there felt like life in the room. Like, it's just way better to go ha 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 than <laughs> it's just way better to go than and then you go try to set me straight brother we need to talk <laughs> no we do not need to talk <laughs> fire <laughs> we don't need to talk <laughs> we lost our brother he'll come back later <laughs> you just knew he was on thin ice anyway <laughs> so <laughs> we got to do something here really we got to get something done time's ticking you guys all right you're asking me that aren't you I'm fine I'm fine I assure you I'm fine I'm innocent. 
I'm innocent. And I believe it for 25 years. The Lord asked me a long time ago, because I know me. You don't know me. I know me. I know me way better than you. Way better. I've lived with me. I've slept with me. I woke up with me this morning. I looked in the mirror this morning, and it was me. I know my comings, my goings, my ins, my outs, my risings, my settings. I know me way more than you do. And the Lord asked me one day, do you know why you live the way you do? And I knew exactly what he meant. It's not hard. I never try. I don't have to stir myself up in all the phrases we use. I'm just alive inside. I just wake up and I know who I am. And I just wake up and I'm excited to be alive. And I'm not moody and I'm never down. And I never have to try. I never have to try. That's normal. Because of what I see. He said, do you know why you live the way you do? I said, yes. Because you're awesome and your grace is sufficient and your mercy is. And I started to worship God and thank God for the attributes of God and who He is. It's the right answer, Yuri. And you know what the Lord did? He chuckled and He said, that's not the answer I'm looking for. In my heart, I heard this. And I said, Lord, now you got me concerned the voice I'm listening to because it's the only answer. You are what you are by the grace of God. The Lord taught me something astounding that day. Actually, it was real dramatic. It came during a worship service and I was supposed to preach and he started loving on me while I was in worship and he, I felt like he wrapped his arms around me and said, love you, proud of you. I was done. I was a, I was a mess. I, you can't, somebody prophesies, but the Lord says he loves you and, and you're his son. And bring a tear to your eye, I could get you moved. When Jesus himself envelops you in his presence and you get this impression, I love you. You're done. There's no way to hold together. I went through a whole box of Kleenexes. It's not a joke. I was in Tennessee. This lady, I was finished the Kleenexes. They were right in front of me. I was just pulling them out with my eyes. I was crying. I had mascara everywhere. <laughs> when you're a guy and you got mascara, when you come up and there's mascara, you were crying. <laughs> I felt this, I felt this dear precious sister, I saw her fingers, I, I opened my eyes, uh, you know, and I'm just, it was messy, and I saw her little fingers, I knew it was a lady, she lifted my elbow and slid a fresh box of Kleenexes under my elbow, because I was all out of my Kleenexes, they were everywhere, they were just, it was just, and in my mind, I'm thinking, what are you doing, I've got to preach in a minute, like you know, you, you, you do a lot of services, you know that, you get in a lot of services, it's kind of, you just know when you're about to get up. Yeah. And I tried to get up, and as soon as I got up, he said, love you. <laughs> Second time I tried to get up, he says, hey, love you. <laughs> I'm done, man. So I take a while to learn sometimes, like some of us, you know, I feel like I'm a good learner, but sometimes I take a while. And this one, I tried to get up three times. And finally I said, wait a minute. I bet you God knows I'm supposed to preach. He probably read the bulletin or something. <laughs> He probably got on Facebook. He probably saw Dan was at the church in Tennessee. He knows it's not a surprise to him that I'm going to have a microphone in a minute. And yet he's doing this to me now. So he must be okay with it. He knows it's going to wreck me. He already saw it before it happened. And he's doing it. So you know what? Why pull out? 
Just okay. So once I said, okay, I'm in, I was gone. And in that moment of time, he whispered to me and said, do you know why you live the way you do? I said, yeah, because you're amazing. Your mercy and your grace. And I started to worship God from my heart. And he laughed. I heard a chuckle. He said, that's not the answer I'm looking for, Dan. I said, that's the only answer. He said, no, everything you said about me is true. But he said, everything you said about me needs a place to land in your life. And you have to be that platform. It's one thing for me to come up to you and say, honey, Jesus loves you. I'm always right. It's another thing for you to be loved by him. Are you with me? I come up to you, man, and I say, listen, God's merciful, man. Who knows I'm always right? It's another thing for him to position himself to receive the mercy of God and obtain mercy. God can be merciful, but are you receiving mercy? God loves, are you being loved by him? Are you letting him love you? Do you believe his love for you? He's a forgiver. Are you forgiven in your heart? He who's forgiven much loves much. We think that's the person with the terrible resume. No, that's just the person that sees how much they're forgiven. We just think it's the person that did drugs 14 times and slept around 25 times and, and, and murdered somebody. We just think he who's forgiven much, who, who has the bigger rap sheet, loves God more. Some people have used that to go build a rap sheet. It doesn't mean that. It means he who sees how much they're forgiven. Loves much. So he said, do you know why? And I said, Lord, it's the only answer. He said, that's not the answer. I said, it's the only answer. He said, Dan, the reason you live the way you do, meaning every day I just wake up, it's just, he's just there. It's simple. I never have to try, ever. Never even think about trying anything. He said, it's because the night you got saved, watch this, the night you got saved, you were sin conscious for a moment and saw your desperate need for me. But ever since that moment, you've been a son in your heart. And that's why it's so easy. Because you see who you are in me. And you've never questioned and never deterred from that truth. So if I know I'm a son, guess what he is? You get it? Oh. You get it? Oh. So wouldn't it be amazing to just believe this every day? I'm washed. I'm washed. Your scars have erased my sin. I'm innocent. Let me show you a couple of scriptures and we'll just have fun here quick. I'm just going to have fun, period. I was in the church one day. I didn't know they didn't want me there. The pastor was the only one that wanted me there. I stood up and I said, hey, guys. And everybody was going. And the older fellas that had glasses, they were down. I'm not kidding. It was like I was in a movie. I was like, they all had them way down on their nose. And they're looking over their glasses. And you know what's amazing? None of that has nothing to do with nothing. Because it's the same gospel. And I got the microphone. So I'm going to preach. 
So I just started preaching. And the faces went. I thought the Lord was going to do some miraculous miracle and call out a word of knowledge or change their hearts through demonstration of something. Instead, he spanked them for 20 minutes. He did. He spanked them for 20 minutes for the things that were in their heart. That they came to church and didn't know him. Because if they knew him, they wouldn't have felt that way towards me. Even if I was wrong, they wouldn't have felt that way towards me. They'd have had mercy and compassion and they'd have wanted to cry for me because I was so lost. Not get angry and go on a witch hunt and think they're God's watchmen. So I spanked them for 20 minutes in the Holy Ghost. And their little butts got sore and they said, we'll break. <laughs> This is the most beautiful thing I ever experienced. The whole room broke. Tears started coming out. Men changed. Arms uncrossed. That doesn't mean everybody with their arms crossed has an attitude. You don't read body language that outward. But this was obvious. It was, it was like a movie. And I was like, I was like, I was looking and I was eyeballing people. And I was like, this is really happening. Again, like, you could feel it in the room. So I just preached what it meant to be a Christian. And that going to church has nothing to do with Christianity. Becoming the church is what it's all about. Amen. Gathering ourselves together is simply to stir ourselves in love and good works, not judgment and contention. And I just spanked them for 20 minutes. It was beautiful. It was the best spanking, man. <laughs> it's one of them where it's really true, where the dad says, you know, son, this is going to hurt me a whole lot more. It's going to hurt you. <laughs> It was one of those times where that wasn't true. <laughs> it didn't hurt me <laughs> as much as it hurt them. <laughs> it was beautiful to watch repentance. I had this senior elder come in a back room when we were done, and he bawled and fell on my shoulder crying and bawled and fell on my shoulder and said, please forgive me. I said, I don't have to forgive you of anything. What do you? He said, I said, no, you just make it right with God, man. Your heart's already broke. I, I don't even, everything's cool with us, bud. He's hugging, crying. And, and he said, no, you, you've got, you don't understand. And I said, what don't I understand? He said, I exploited your services. I told everybody not to come, and there's a whole lot of people that didn't come because of me. And I said, why would you do that? You don't even know me. Well, I know. I just heard some things about you. Okay. And he said, so I didn't even watch you. I didn't even listen. I just told everybody, all you care about is eternal security. Well, that's the last thing I preach. I'm excited we're going to live forever. It's because we're one with the eternal one and we're never going to die. It's a real cool thing. But I'm standing here telling you I'm not born again so I can go to heaven. I'm born again so the Spirit of God can live in me and I can walk out why I'm here in the first place. I'm here to fulfill purpose. I'm not born again so that when I die, I go to heaven. That has nothing to do with the night I got saved. The night I got saved, I saw I was selfish to the core and no good for anyone and my life was zero. And everything revolved around me and I didn't even like me. And I needed you to like me to believe I was likable. That's why I got born again. Because I was lost and my life was a zero. And I was in survival mode and I was sinking fast. And I said I was okay. And if you saw me on the outward, you would have thought I was okay because I was real good at making it appear that way. 
and I was nothing but a dead man on the inside. And I knew my life was pitiful and a zero. And when God showed me my heart and how selfish it was, it was appalling. I knew I didn't want to live another day in that place. So I didn't pray a prayer to go to heaven. I gave my life to him. And I didn't want to live that way one more day. And hurt all the people I say I love. And say I love you and it really mean I need you. And we're okay if... Paul said, where's contentions and strife come among you anyway? It's only because you're living carnal and self-centered and self-focused. It's the only reason you clash. Come on, there's a lot of clashing going on in people's lives and relationships. Need to be right, self-centered. Control, manipulation, trying to get your way in your marriage. Stop. Start loving each other like he loved you. Come on, it's that simple. You don't need deliverance. You need belief. Come on. I know that's strong and straight, but hey, I'm a preacher. I'm supposed to tell it. Amen. And I'm getting in the car and leaving. <laughs> right, Yuri? He's the one that invited me. <laughs> I'm on you, buddy. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm not being mean. You don't hear condemnation in what I'm saying. Come on, I'm calling you out of a lie. Why, why would you hurt one another and say you love one another? Just expose it. It's selfishness. Come on, it's me needing my way. It's me needing you to agree with me. And if you don't agree with me, I'm offended. And I can't believe, why don't you ever? And you should sometime, and I just feel like, ah. Come on, we do it when we leave church and go to eat. You know, somebody says, I want to go here. Somebody says, I want to go there. And somebody says, okay, we'll go here. And somebody says, well, then why can't we go there? How come you always go? Where's... How come you never go where I want to go? And there's actually tension in the car over food. And then we come to church. Holy, holy, holy. It's what we do. I ought to be a flagger. I was, I was feeling it. Come on, just exposing some of these things. Get real. Let's stop waiting for each other to change and just you become like Christ. You call it all dead and give your life to Him and come up from that place, water baptism, death, burial, resurrection, come up a son, come up a daughter, and never look back, never go back. Stay here. And even if you feel like you stumble, stay here. Receive mercy, get wiser, and keep moving forward. But don't pick up what you laid down. And don't make somebody else your excuse and justification for not looking like Jesus. You think you're going to stand before the Lord and say, oh, you're going to see and look into the glory of who He is. It's total light, guys. It's going to be beyond description. There's no preacher on the earth that can explain what it's going to be like when we stand before the Lord. And you're going to stand before the Lord. It's going to be so overwhelming, so crazy, so full of light, all darkness exposed. You won't even be able to think a twisted thought without knowing it's twisted. And, and, and some of us are going to stand there and go, oh, uh-oh, oops. Don't think you're going to stand there and go, oh, oh, oh. you know, Lord, I really would have believed you more if it wasn't for my spouse. I mean, I prayed and prayed and prayed. Why didn't, why didn't you touch that? Why didn't you change? Lord, I would have... You aren't even going to be able to think that. You're going to know it was deception. 
You're going to let where they aren't decide where you are. You're going to let what they see be your vision when he's the light of the world. It ain't going to work. It ain't going to fly. So if it ain't going to fly then, why would you let it fly now and buy time you don't have to give? I'm just done, man. I'm done with excuses and justifications. Well, I'd be closer to God if it wasn't for... Well, you know, No, because it'll always be something. You're waiting for someone to change for you to be okay? You're okay because of him. See, because that's idolatry. That exposes the higher need in your life. And you need something. Idolatry is simply something more than him. You need something more than him. Making something more important than him. Well, you don't know what it's like living with them. Well, if you had my wife, you would think another thing, brother. No. It doesn't change love. It doesn't change truth. It doesn't change the gospel. Come on, you can have a spouse that doesn't want nothing to do with Jesus and turns to witchcraft. You can still walk in the Spirit of God. You can still be in fellowship with God. You can still receive His love. You can still walk in truth. Why do we think that everything determined is determined by our natural circumstances? Everything should be determined by who He is in me. So that my natural circumstance gets touched by the highest truth. So that when I see you, I'm looking at you from Him. Not facts. Come on, wonder if God looked at us the way we've looked at each other. We wouldn't have hope. What if you walked into the place of repentance and He ignored you? Or said, oh, it's you. Should have came six months ago when I wooed you stronger than ever before. You caused a lot of hell in this last six months and hurt more people than you had to. I don't even know where we stand. I'm not sure if I want to talk to you right now. Maybe get back to you tomorrow. Well, there's a lot of things we say you can't find in the mouth of Jesus or his life. So if he didn't teach us to speak it, where'd we get the language? You guys okay? Yes. Okay. You say, you're spanking us for 20 minutes. No! No! Don't kick and scream. The spanking will be quick. You know, if I miss your butt, I'll have to keep trying. I'll just roll you. you. Don't get off my lap. Just let me get you. <laughs> let me get you. No, I'm just, I just, I don't have any need to correct you. These are just things that come in my heart when I'm standing here and I'm looking out and I feel like God's Father and I'm saying, hey, this thing is not that hard. It just requires faith to just live by faith. Don't over-spiritualize it. Well, yeah, but something's holding me back. It might be you. Might be wrong thinking. Look, I, I never seen... I ain't never seen a ball and chain that's big enough, tight enough, hard enough on a person that if they want to lift their hands and say, and call on the name of the Lord, that they can't. It's unscriptural. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You can go in a bedroom and lift your hands and believe you're innocent. Yes, you can. You can be driving your car and commune with Him and believe you're righteous and that you're washed and that you're free and that your life's being transformed by the Spirit of God in you. Yes, you can. Or you can believe other things and feelings and impressions and flashbacks and memories. And you can believe yesterday and let yesterday always be tomorrow.
Or you can live in a new day and walk in new life. I'm going to show you right here. Philippians chapter 3, and I'll be done real soon here. Well, kind of maybe. It's not too often I give time back, so we'll see. <laughs> Yay for you, God. I want you to see Philippians 3. It's a very amazing, powerful chapter. I'll just, I'll just, I'll just read real quick so... Oh, really? Mm. You know how Paul's talking about... Well, let me just read real quick. Okay, I, man, I'm trying to get away from this issue. Okay, it just says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord, for to me to write the same things is not tedious... But for you, it's a safeguard. Remember I said the other night, if you were here, so I feel like I preach the same thing over and over, but Paul said, hey, it's not tedious for me to write the same thing over and over. It's, it's a safeguard. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil uh, workers. Beware of the mutilation. He's talking about the law, circumcision, people trying to get back into Judaism. Don't need to get into all that. But I just want you to catch the tone here. For we are the circumcision who worship God in spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Now Paul's saying, though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks uh, he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. He's not saying he's all that and a bag of chips. What he's saying is, my heritage qualifies me in Judaism and people that are living according to the law. I actually have a foundation to boast in my heritage and my flesh and I'm actually positioned to have confidence in my flesh if I was still living in that arena. It's basically what's going on here. Are you with me? Okay, so watch this. So he says, because he explains that. He says, circumcised on the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, these warrior dudes, uh, uh, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, watch, concerning the law through birthright, a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. That's Paul. He said, man, I could camp there and claim that living under the law. But what things were gained to me, these things I've counted loss for Christ. See, you have to understand, people beat Paul all the time and whipped Paul and stoned Paul and, and, and whew, persecuted Paul beyond measure, it seems, because of the simple message of saved by grace. That you're forgiven based on what he did. And the law so attacked that, and Judaism so attacked that, because a man couldn't just be saved by grace. By, he had to be saved by his works, by merit. He had to earn. He had to perform. He had to work his way to that. Who knows? We've revealed through Scripture over and over through teaching, because God's revealed it to us through Scripture, that that's impossible to get to God through merit and through works. So the reason Paul got slammed so much is because he preached the cross that a man could actually walk through the blood like a washing amazing fountain and come out the other side with a repentant heart and be as if he was never on that side. 
It's so imperative. This water baptism you're doing next week, don't miss the power of it. If you've never been water baptized, if you've only been sprinkled in your culture or heritage as a baby, that's not a believer baptism. That's just like a dedication to the Lord. Parents shouldn't get offended. I've had parents come to me get so offended because their 20-year-old daughter was getting water baptized as a believer. And they say, well, we had her baptized when she was an infant. And they're mad. Like we're crossing some light. That's such a religious spirit. I, I sit them down and I say, guys, why are you so hostile? Why are you so mad that your daughter wants to believe and grow in Christ and get filled with the Spirit? It's not violating anything you did as a parent when they were a baby. That's like a dedication to the Lord. Hey, it worked. Why are you so offended? My goodness, guys, if you're so offended at this, you'll get offended at other things. So offense is normal. Come on. Come on. The Bible says, he who's perfected in love, he who understands love and walks in love has no cause for offense because of his brother. That means offense is unscriptural. And just because it's normal to men doesn't mean it's normal to God. God didn't make us this way. Adam made us this way. And we were born into Adam, but I thought we got born again. I thought we put off the old and put on the new. I thought we died to ourselves and picked up our cross. I thought we're following him. thought oh that's a lot of scripture and it's solid isn't it come on yeah so good see when you get water baptized what you're doing is it's symbolic that water when they set that thing up i want you to understand this they'll probably teach all this i'll just out of the mouths of two or more is it okay it's symbolic of the grave it represents the death burial and resurrection it's not just an ordinance it's the power of God. And without understanding, you won't walk in the grace that's available through the finished work. You've got to see to walk in that power and that grace. It's so amazing. What you do is when you get in the water, you're dying in the likeness of his death. And the death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you're getting in the water and you're going, oh my goodness, I've been driving the car. I've been living my own life. I haven't even really known purpose. Man, I feel like time's just wasted by. I got a whole baggage of memories and stuff and things that people did to me and I did to people. You know what? I want to call it all dead, man. I don't want to live for myself. I want to live for your great name. I'm asking you to forgive me. Wash me in the holy blood. I'm all yours. I'm completely given. Holy Spirit, when I come up out, you pick me up like a Holy Spirit midwife and you pass me to the father of brand new baby boy I'm ready to be birthed by God and all of a sudden you die to yourself and you die in the likeness of his death and when he died you died and everything about you died watch so you have no yesterday you can't any longer say to me well you don't know what happened to me when I was a little child look what happened to you when you were a little child what happened to me when I was a little child so don't tell me I'm being presumptuous and outspoken and not understanding and insensitive and defend your position and assure you stay the same. We're not talking about when you were a little child. We're talking about now. We're talking about you wholly given and committed and Christ coming into you and making you brand new. See, wonder if that thing that touched you when you were a little child was really a spirit-designed strategy. Wonder if it was a demonic thing to get you so hurt, so broken, so confused in your identity and mark you and actually track with you for years and years so that when you're 55, you're still six. Yeah. And we think we need deliverance. We need truth. 
And we need to believe the truth and say, you know what? It doesn't matter what happened to me when I was four. That had nothing to do with it. Some people, because they don't understand, then they get mad. And they say, well, why did God let that happen? Well, if God loved me, then why did he let him? And why did he let him? And I cried out, and I remember saying, and they still touch me. And they're, and they're so, boom, that they won't slow down to be taught because they all got their answers, but their answers aren't producing life. We ask the wrong questions. Well, if God loved me, then why did he let it happen? If God didn't love you, why did he send his son when you were yet a sinner? Maybe you better start where truth is found. Instead of challenging God, maybe you ought to come humbly and learn and receive and believe. They asked Jesus a lot of questions in the Bible and their hearts weren't pure when they asked. And you can't show me one place where they ask a question purely that he, impurely that he didn't just ask them a question in return. He didn't answer their questions. He said, let me ask you a question. Or he'd throw a question out. When they ask a question insincerely, he'd just throw a question out. Why? Because he wasn't going to facilitate the corrupt heart. He wasn't going to submit to that. Pilate talked to him and he didn't say a word. Why? Anything you justify, you give the power of someone to be your judge. Anytime you defend yourself, somebody has the right to judge your defense. Jesus is awesome. He's the way, not a way. And he sure ain't a good idea. <laughs> He's the truth. He's not a truth. He said, you have no teacher, no other teacher but one, and he's the Christ. So if I didn't learn it from him, I never learned it at all. Ain't that awesome? <sighs> come on, you're going to go under the water baptism. You're going to come out, and all of a sudden there's no looking back. There's no going back. You're no longer six. You're no longer 10. You're no longer 12. You're 42. And the Spirit of God is in you and on you. And your life is transformed. And you're washed. And you're washed. And His scars erased your sin. And you're innocent. And the Spirit of God comes into you when you come out of that water and empowers you to go live the life you were created and designed to live. Your wisdom gets transformed through the renewing of your mind. You're no longer conformed to this world. And the wisdom of the world and the way that seemeth right to a man is laid to rest. Yeah, but you know, brother, well, yeah, but stop. Y'all good? Okay. So Paul said, oh dear, where are we at, Lord? Yes, indeed, I count all these things as lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. He doesn't want a flesh resume. He wants a resume in Christ. He wants the truth of Christ. He's willing to get beat for it. He's willing to get beat with sticks, with rods, with whips, and he's willing to get stoned for it. He won't change his mind. Why? Because of what he sees. So he loves not his own life unto death, so you can threaten him with death because he had life. That's how it works. That's why he couldn't change his mind. That's why you stone him and he gets up and goes back into the city that stoned him. He doesn't run for his life. He goes back into the city that stoned him. We say in the days, well, brother, you got to use wisdom. You... Whose wisdom? Your fear or his truth? Your preservation? I count all these things a loss for the excellence of the knowledge, the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things concerning the flesh, and count them as rubbish that I may gain 
Christ. Watch this. And be found in Him, not having my own right standing, my own work effort, my own merit, my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. You're saved by grace through faith. When you release faith into this truth of righteousness, grace comes to make that your reality and empowers you to live that truth and be what you could never be on your own. Therefore, all glory goes to God. We cast our crowns and we are simply what we are by the grace of God. So there's no such thing as a super Christian. There's just a whole bunch of believers. You with me? That I may, why is he doing this? That he may, I love this. It seems like Paul knew him. When you read Paul, you're like, man, Jesus met with him personally, taught him personally. You read some of his writings and he, like the, the Last Supper, he writes specifically what's written in the Gospels. And he said, the Lord showed me this, that on the night, he didn't read the Gospels and repeat it. The Lord showed him and when he wrote it, it's what the Gospels said. That's awesome. I think Paul knew him. Like Jesus came and stood by his bed and said, take heart. There's a lot of sufferings and persecutions here, but I have many here that need to hear and be saved. And da, da, da. So take heart and just tarry here. And Jesus came and comforted him and met with him, personally walked in the room and said, hey, hang out here for a while. I got a plan. But here he is going that I might know him. You see the hunger to know him more? Whew. And pay attention. That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection, the fellowship of His sufferings, and being conformed to His death. If by any means I may attain to the resurrection of the dead, not that I've already attained it or arrived, or am already complete or perfected. So He's growing up into Him in all things to the full measure of the stature of Christ. John 4, right? Or, or uh, uh, Ephesians 4. So watch this. Not that I've already attained it or am already perfected, but I press on, now watch, that I may lay a hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Do you hear purpose and intent on the Lord's part there? That the Lord actually has intention in obtaining you? Come on. Uh, this isn't impersonal, it's covenant. So I know this is, you can't really use a good example because this is covenant. But you don't buy a grill to leave it in the box. You don't buy the, the green egg, buddy, to not turn on that smoker. Like, like, purpose isn't even fulfilled in the green egg. It's not even the green egg until that smoker thing is closed and that thing is pouring and... Oh, he did that for me last year. It was like, thank you, Jesus. A shoe's not a shoe. It's really not fulfilling purpose if it's just on a rack until you slip your foot in it and take a step. It's not even doing what it's here for. Yeah. Keyboard could look beautiful, but until you touch the keys, it ain't flowing in purpose. Come on! That I may lay a hold of that which He laid a hold of me for. I do not want to live outside of His purpose. I don't want to just be a confessing Christian and believe for blessings and benefit and protection and not walk in love and manifest Jesus. 
He laid a hold of me to put His life in me so that I can live in Him. Not wait on the day I die and I'm covered because my name will be called. And when the roll's called up yonder, I'm going to be there. Hey, praise God for that. I'm not mad at that. That is a tiny piece of the purpose. Because if you're storing your treasures in heaven, it ain't about dying and going to heaven. It's about living and leaving a legacy and marking hearts and manifesting Jesus. Let your light so shine before men. Not frustration, not issues, not discouragement, not despair. Let your light so shine before men. Why? So they see your life lived and go, whoa, there's a God. That's something. I'm going to lay it all aside. I haven't already arrived there, but I'm pressing on. I want to attain, and I want to grab a hold of that which he laid a hold of me for. Brethren, I don't count myself to have apprehended. In other words, there's things for me to grow in and things I haven't tasted yet. There's increase for my life. But watch. He said, but there's one thing. Don't you like that? There's just one thing. It's not three. It's not three-point sermon. It's not one of two. It's one. Just one, not two, one. There's one thing I do to assure that I'm attaining and doing this process. Just one thing. I forget the things which are behind. When the righteous sense, that should be easy because we're innocent. The thing you did that you tend to regret, you have a little dream. You're driving. Everything's fine. You go to bed at night. You have a little dream. Every day you're just singing in the Lord and you go to bed and you have this little dream and it's a flashback of the thing you wish you never did and you have this dream. All of a sudden you think you need prayer. You think the thing's hiding inside you. All of a sudden you wear the identity of the experience because you wish you didn't do it and all of a sudden all the regret and all the defilement and all the filth starts getting relevant to you because you're not realizing it's a flashback. It's a familiar spirit. It's just recollection. When you wake up out of the dream, you ought to rejoice and have the biggest worship fit you've ever had. You ought to say, God, I thank you that my life has changed and I'm transformed and I'm no longer in that place. And God, I thank you that I'm brand new and I'm washed in the blood and Holy Spirit, you love to live in me. I thank you I'm not a fornicator. I thank you I'm not an adulterer. I thank you, God. You made me clean. You ought to come out of that dream shouting praise that you're saved. Instead, we go, well, I've been thinking stuff and I thought I was free and I need delivered, brother. We spent countless hours ministering to flashbacks, dreams, and impressions and it's the truth that makes you free. If you don't change what people believe, you'll never change their experience. You think because you had a memory and an impression it's still in you? No, it's trying to get in you. Yeah. One thing, one thing I do. What do I do? I forget what lies behind. I reach forward to those things which are ahead. I press towards the goal, the prize, the upward call of God in Christ. Therefore, let us, let us, uh-oh, talking to the church, let us, as many as are mature have this mind. And if anyone would think otherwise, even God revealed this unto them. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already arrived, who knows that we all feel like we're on different places. Let's make sure this is our goal. Let's make sure this is our aim. Let's make sure this is what we're all going after. Watch. Nevertheless, whatever level we've arrived or attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. 
And brethren, join in following my example and note those also that are walking this way as you have a pattern you can follow. Isn't that cool? I'll be done here in just a few minutes. It was very important to teach this morning. I feel that in my heart. And this, to me, is probably the most important part of the morning. I'm feeling that in my heart right now. So please pay attention. This is very powerful. It's, I'm, I really feel like I'm supposed to teach this. I've taught it for years. It's nothing new in the sense of it's nothing I just saw this morning. But it's something that I see as imperative right now. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Please. This is huge. See, because water baptism, when you come out, you're brand new. You're raised in the newness of life. So remember, you're not the six-year-old anymore. You can't no longer say, well, you don't know what it was like when I was growing up. Because you're not growing up. You're in Him growing up. You're, it's not about yesterday. You forget what lies behind. Wow. wonder if all that stuff is designed to so corrupt, trash, break, hurt, anger your heart that when you get to the place where you actually hear the clearest good news you've ever heard, you can't hear good because all you see is that. I wonder if you actually have a judgment towards God instead of a love towards God. That's a sure sign you're being deceived. When people are mad at God, that's ludicrous. He's, he's God. He's Almighty God. Well, I didn't ask to be born. You hear, ever hear that? That's a sure sign you're way deceived. You are playing into the hand of the enemy big time. Because he's the only one that can make you free. He's the only one where you find truth. He's the only one where life is found and you've been tricked to turn even on him. So that's the puffed up mind of pride and humanity in the fall of man appearing to be something that's not. Pretty intense. Come on, you lose a loved one. You lose a loved one instead of honoring the gift of life and being glad they were your loved one? Then you weigh if it was too soon. Why didn't God intervene? Why didn't He heal? And next thing you know, you lose your sense of spirituality and you actually have aught with God because of life instead of the giver of life. And all of a sudden, you covet what was given instead of covet the one that gave. And again, we reveal self-centered deception. And all of a sudden, we justify our pain and we surround ourselves with other people that feel that way and they're our support system and we're guaranteed to stay there. Paul's addressing sectarianism here. It's like, you know, you know, it's like, hey, I really love Pastor Yori, man. He's awesome. And then other people say, well, I just like Steve, man. Somebody said, well, I like when Dan comes to town. And, and all of a sudden, people, like, they were just getting weird with Apollos and Peter and Paul. And Paul's like, guys, what are you doing, man? When you're doing this, it's, man, isn't it carnal? Isn't it fleshy? And he's addressing some things here. I'm going to flip forward. Let's start in verse 18 of 1 Corinthians 1. Uh, three, I mean, First Corinthians three. He's addressing the sectarianism and human wisdom and reasoning in these things. It would be like your worship team, guys. You know, all of a sudden you're like bidding over the bearded man, and you're like, "Well, he's my. Well, yeah, but I like his voice. Oh, yeah, but he. Oh man, when he's there, I'm just woo. I'm in the spirit, brother. It just gets weird, man. It's all about Jesus. So he says, let no one deceive himself. That's a strong, that's strong language, verse 18. Let no one deceive himself. Watch this. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. In other words, anything you learned outside of him and his finished work and the way he functions, the king and his kingdom, needs realigned. Anybody that thinks they're on it and got it together apart from him, let them become a fool so they can get it together. Watch. 
For the wisdom of this world is absolute foolishness to God. I added the absolute. That's my translation. It's foolishness with God. For it is written, He catches the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise that they're futile. Now watch this. Now He's wrapping up this thing. And He's addressing the sectarianism and the favoritism and the partiality that they were going through. And He says, Therefore let no one boast in men. For all things are yours, whether it's me, whether it's Apollos, whether it's Cephas. That's what Paul's saying here, right? Whether it's Paul, Apollos, Cephas. Watch. Now he grows this list that we've received in Christ Jesus. He says, so listen, why are you guys fighting over teachers and making some better than others or they're your favorites or whatever? It's all the truth you're receiving from all the above so that you can walk in something you've been freely given, whether it's your teachers. Are you following me? And he says, whether life or death, isn't that amazing? Jesus has the keys. He told us to raise the dead. We have no fear of death. We're supposed to walk in authority over death because we have no fear of death because we're never going to die. So the goal is never about dying or living. We're not praying because we're afraid to die. We're praying because we're called to life and we have purpose to fulfill. Come on, nine times out of ten, 9.99 times out of ten, we pray because of the fear of death, not the promise of life. Most prayer is driven by circumstance and trouble. When we see trouble, we pray. And the motive in our prayer is to avoid trouble. And you're in fear, and you're in anxiety, and you don't sleep, and you say you're praying, and you call it faith. Okay, I can only touch so much here, and I'm kind of opening too many doors. I better keep rolling. Whether it's Paul, Apollos, Cephas, the world, life, death. That's amazing. He gave you life, death. Watch. Things present, things to come. All are yours. All these things on the list are yours. The promise of life, the authority over death, all things present, all things to come. It's all yours. And you are Christ's, and Christ is God's. Oh my goodness, that's amazing. So that sounds like a pretty amazing list, but I noticed something years ago when I was reading this. There's something that's not on the list. He said things present and things to come. And I said, wow. He didn't say nothing about the past. I got the new day. I got today. And I got tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow, if God willing, and that time. But yesterday's His. He bought that. He paid for that. that he purchased yesterday. He put that over here in a sea called forgetfulness. So it's not mine anymore. So he didn't give me my past. He took it and gave me my present and my future. So amazing. Okay, so watch this. Watch this. Now this is going to mess you up in a good way. This is going to mess you up in a real good way. It's going to empower you to not live in yesterday. Because see, if you live in yesterday, to, today and tomorrow is always yesterday. And it's always a yell but, and it always hinges on what was instead of what could be and what is in Him. So Romans 8, go to Romans 8 with me. This is, and I'm done, I'm done, I'll be done. No, I will be. Because He gave me a time, and I'm going to stick to it on Sunday mornings. I'm good with time. It's just on Sunday mornings. I'm not even thinking time Friday and Saturday night, I promise. Well, a little bit, but I don't do well. But I'll do good this morning. Who shall separate us? Verse 35. Come on, we put this stuff in frames and put it up on our walls and our refrigerators. we got to get what it means. 
Sometimes it just sounds spiritual. We better get what it means. Watch. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation? Distress? Now, I know we read this stuff and we go, oh, but I've seen tribulation and distress separate people from God. I've seen people question God's love because of tribulation and distress. But watch this. Paul's got a revelation here. Y'all put it up there? Good. I saw everybody looking up. I knew it wasn't an angel hovering over me. I, I fell for that one time. One time. Everybody was looking up and some lady said, there's this blue angel. And I said, really? Okay. I don't think much of that. I mean, I'm glad. Hey, if he's there, great. You know? They said, and blue's revelation. And he's just with you the whole time. And so I got preaching next service. And I saw everybody looking right above my head. Everybody was looking above my head when I was talking. And I thought, that dude must be there. And I'm there talking, and I kind of looked, and it was the screen. Everybody was reading the scripture, and I went, oh, man, I thought it was that blue guy they saw. <laughs> so I'm not falling for that anymore. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. All that really means, guys, is that you're living in a world that doesn't agree, see, or understand what you believe. So they think you're flaky, holier than thou, off the deep end, or weak-souled, so you created a God to lean on. They just It's just a contention there with the spirit of the world and the spirit of truth. Are you with me? Okay, go ahead. Yet all these things, in all these things that are listed, in all these things, we're more than conquerors. Through Him who loved us. So you better believe His love, right? Go ahead. For I am persuaded. Now Paul's convinced. That word means totally, completely convinced. I am totally, completely convinced that neither death... Now watch. You saw the list in 1 Corinthians, right? Here's another list. It's the same list. He just added a few incredible things to it. Watch. I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, or powers, nor things present nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing. So that's a little more inclusive list than we had in Corinthians, isn't it? But what's on the list that was in Corinthians? Present and things to come. Did you see it? Watch. None of these things shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ. Guess what's not on that list? The past. Guess what has the total ability to separate you from receiving the love of God? When you identify through your past. And then you can't sing, you've washed me in the blood, your scars erase my sin and I'm innocent. Because you're still yesterday. And no new day in Christ has come and the effect of water baptism is annulled because there's no faith applied to truth. You get it? Come on. He's persuaded that nothing can separate him from the love of God. But he's expecting that you understand the past isn't on your list. It should never be. So he doesn't even mention the past because the past shouldn't be in our thoughts. It shouldn't be in our language. It shouldn't be in our identity. The past was bought by him. So guess what? When you identify through your past, it has the total ability to separate you from receiving the love of God. And it stains your identity and keeps you from being empowered by the truth that has actually set you free. So please, please, please take a big step forward. If you've never been baptized, get in here and get baptized next week. If you've only been sprinkled as a child, if you got baptized just out of routine and ritual and your church said it was time and it was your age and that's what happened to me when I was 12. They said, it's time to get baptized. I said, okay. Took a little class and they put me in the water and everybody clapped and I got a little paper. 
Had no revelation, didn't transform my life. I didn't even know what I did. I just knew I was 12 and I was supposed to do it in the church I went to. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. The word is healed, delivered, protected, preserved, made whole, and kept safe and sound. It's not a legal thing. It's not an ordinance. It's not a law. It's a grace. You believe and you go, so see how you preach the gospel is imperative. It it empowers baptism. Those boys in the book of Acts, they never preached the gospel without preaching baptism in the message. Because it was always about transformation, not going to heaven. We've created a message that's all about going to heaven that doesn't have anything to do hardly with transformation, just do good deeds and connect to a church. And then the power of water baptism gets lost because it's not about transformation. It's about, hey, we all have our issues. We all have our moments. It's amazing God considers us. But hey, at least we're in and He saved us and we're going to heaven. Yay, and you ought to get baptized because the Bible says it's the next step. (laughs) They said, brothers, we're cut to the heart. Men and brethren, we're cut to the heart. What shall we do in Acts 2, the book of Acts, when the Holy Ghost came? We're cut to the heart. Peter said, repent and be baptized, all of you. It was right in the message. Philip jumped up on the eunuch's chariot. You guys know the story? He's reading Isaiah. They're riding along. And he says, who's the guy talking about? Himself or another? The prophet or another? And then at that point it says, he spake unto him. It's Acts 8. He spake unto him Jesus. Period. That's all it says in your Bible. Next verse. And coming to some water, the eunuch said, Look, water, what forbids me that I be baptized? Which means he didn't speak Jesus without speaking the power of a transformed life. And he said, Only that you believe with all your heart. He said, I believe. And they got off and went and baptized. He came out of the water and Paul disappeared and went to some town translated. He had a pretty awesome day. Yeah? Yeah? Baptism. Goodbye to the old. Born again. I saw, I saw in the Holy Ghost, some people get offended at this stuff. It's just religion. Every one of you mothers that carried a baby was carrying that baby in a sack of water. The way you knew the baby was about to be born is your water broke. Or if you had a, a C-section, they broke your water. But the water breaks. It's always water. Holy Spirit hovered over the water. It, Israel passed through the water. It's it's not an accident. There's three that bear witness on the earth. The blood, the water, and the spirit. Yeah? So watch this. That's what happens when you're born again. So the baby's in the mama's womb. The water breaks and the baby comes forth. You go under the water. You're in the womb of God. The Lord told me and showed me in prayer one day. It's like the womb of God. He, he, and the Holy Spirit, He's hovering over the waters and there's chaos and there's no form and things are void in Genesis. All of a sudden, the baby comes out of the water and the Holy Spirit shoot, and brings identity and form and the baby's born. It's birthed by God through the water. Everything that was is dead and left in the water. Yeah? Baby comes out. Holy Spirit says, look at this, Papa. Brand new baby boy. Ain't he amazing? Oh, I love him. Yeah, think we'll keep him. We'll call him Yuri. Yeah. Amen? Come on. So guys, there's nothing I preached this weekend that you can't live. There's nothing I preached that you can't wrap faith around. It's called you to walk in love. It's called you to have purpose in your faith instead of just confession. 
Christianity, we always call it the great confession. I've never really settled with that. I think it's the great expression. Because you know them by their... And in this, the Father's well pleased that you bear much of it. Are you all good? Could you do something for me as a sign of humility and just surrender to the message you've heard? Could you just stand to your feet with me if you want to? And we're going to pray, and it's just your sign of saying, you know what, I'm all in, and I'm giving myself to this message. I'm encouraged today, and I'm going to leave here innocent. I'm going to forget the past, and I'm going to live for the present and things to come, and I'm going to believe this gospel. Listen, it's absolutely imperative that you don't live condemned, that you don't live ashamed, that you don't live guilty, that you actually say, man, the fact that I feel bad about it means I care about it, and my heart has changed. God, I thank you for washing me and making me clean. So would you, if you want to, would you lift your hands with me and just declare in your heart to God that today you're receiving the truth that you're innocent through the blood, that you desire Him to wash you and make you clean, that you're never looking back, that you are setting your heart to not look back. You say, wonder if I do look back, brother. Listen, after this confession and after this commitment, even if you look back, you'll realize what you're doing. At some point, Holy Spirit will tweak you and you'll say, duh, why am I looking there? There's nothing there pertaining to life. And all of a sudden, it'll turn you up and you'll begin to look up from whence came your help. So Holy Spirit, we just thank you and welcome you with hands raised, with hearts before you. Would you mark us for your glory? Would you empower us? Would you let this truth be the truth of our lives? That, that, that okay, I don't usually pray this way, but this sounds cool to me right now. I hear it in my heart that five years from now, five years from now, the people in this room, you would say, do you know why you live the way you do? And that they would just simply say, because I'm a son because I'm yours, because I'm a daughter. And your grace is sufficient for me. Father, I just thank you for freedom in our lives. I thank you that every day is easy because of truth. I thank you that circumstances have nothing to do with our identity. And I thank you that we handle our circumstances in the strength of truth. I thank you that people aren't overwhelmed in this room anymore. I thank you that anxiety is crushed. I thank you that self-concern, fear, pity, Self-sorrow is vanquished because of this gospel. And I'm asking you to mark this house with a revelation of Christ. And I'm asking you to raise up who you are in us to be clearly seen. Church, I commission you to take these things and to run well and to never grow weary in that well-doing. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen.